Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. This is Independence Day, the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all blessedly without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, I'm very happy to welcome the Walcotts. American Roots music is currently having a renaissance of sorts, with bands across the country and across the pond ditching their Les Pauls and Marshall half stacks in favor of acoustic instruments, beards, and bowler hats. There are a lot of ways to bring a little bit of yesterday to the new millennium when it comes to music, and Los Angeles' The Walcotts have staked their claim on a rustic mixture of Roadhouse Blues, Memphis Soul, Swampy Delta Jazz, and Underground Nashville Twang. And all of this sounds as if it has been stirred together by a spoon lifted from the kitchen of the Big Pink, the Hudson Valley house where Rick Danko, Richard Manuel, and Garth Hudson hung out with Bob Dylan and wrote the bulk of the band's first album. Singer and guitarist Tom Cusimano is the master of ceremonies, and the large band he leads isn't limited in the least to folk instrumentation. There are Telecasters and tube amps, piano and Hammond organ, trumpet, trombone, pedal steel guitar, fiddle, and a healthy helping of female vocals. But it's the bass and drums that keeps things in the Walcotts grooving and lively, and it's this New Orleans-style focus on booty-shaking rhythms that helps them avoid the more sullen territory mined by some Americana bands. The Walcotts are positively rollicking, and with all the buzz they've generated in a short amount of time, it likely won't be long before they're rollicking in front of bigger and bigger crowds. Welcome to Independence Day, the Walcotts. Or at least three of you. How many of there are you in reality? That's the one thing about you guys. I've seen you play live just the one time so far. And you've got three of you here today. But there's like, you guys should have your own zip code, it seems like to me. <laughs> How many is in the full band? Uh, uh, nine. This is Devin here. Nine of us uh, and uh, about five core members. And we all ha- actually live in separate zip codes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so tell me, now the three of you that are here, let's introduce the folks that are here. So on vocals and guitar, uh, pretty much lead vocals, Tom Cusimano, correct? Yes. Okay. And on violin, Devin Shea. That's me. And right. then, of course, on background vocals, lovely background vocals, I must say, the lovely Laura Marion. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hello, hello. Well, now you're a soft talker. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. I really enjoy, it sounds like a weird Casey Kasem thing to say, but I enjoy your sound. It's, it's rootsy, uh, you know, in a little feet kind of vein, but it's got, it's got the big band. So, like, that's the thing. A lot of people do rootsy music, but they don't do it with, you know, such chutzpah as the wall cuts. Good word. You know, word. there's a lot of these. You've got horns, you've got pedal steel, you've got keys, guitars, bass, drums. Uh, there are other instruments mixed in here, too, correct? There's, like, was there a... Some weird little mini mandolin looking kind of oh, thing. Oh, the mando or, guitar. Yeah, the yeah. mando guitar. Yeah. No, I use that. This is Tom. I, I use the mando guitar primarily in live situations if I want to cover like a high range or a mandolin kind of sound. Yeah. Um, but it's great if I need to cover like a 12 string guitar sound too. Yeah. So it's, it's unique. So with, I mean, the first question I have for you is with this many people in a band, like how did you convince this many people to play in this band? <laughs> We pay a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. What? To be completely. <laughs> um, no. Uh, there's like Devin said. There's five of us at the core, um, and the history really it, it kind of dictates how it happened because Devin and I have been playing together for probably six, seven years at this point, and Jimmy, the drummer, and I have been playing together for eleven years, um, 
And yeah, and then, and then Greg and Laura kind of came in a little bit later on, and and they're just really into it and and want to be a part of it. And so we you know allowed that to happen. And so we have that core group. So. Yeah, that makes it easier. I mean, there's there's a lot of times bands will do that where there's like an arrangement with the people who are the core of the band. Like you know we're the ones who will like forego paychecks. Mm-hmm. to do the band because we're kind of committed we're all in mm-hmm. you know and then they pick up ancillary players like horn players it's hard to keep a full-time horn player in a band right and stylistically that's a challenge too because if you have a full-time horn player in the band they're going to want to do a lot more and then all of a sudden you've got horns on everything all the time we have horns on pretty much everything now yeah um and the horns are a great example because uh typically for live shows we use a rotation of people so we have probably three to four lined up for each instrument and so we have you know our, our first chair second chair that kind yeah. of thing it's very nashvillian it's like a call list yeah a little bit and then recording wise there's a few people that we specifically like was like well let's arrange this so we know that they're going to be there and we make it happen yeah um because that's i mean that's the other thing there are so many challenges with that many people in the band like tell me tell me about rehearsals like do you how do you schedule rehearsals with you say nine people Devin? Yeah, nine. <laughs> How do you schedule rehearsals with nine people? Trying to find time and everybody's schedules. Everybody's busy. It's a lot of obnoxious emails, I think, for <laughs> most people. Once the first few have said okay, because um, like Devin said, it's the core and we'll make sure the core can do it. And once that's settled, then we find out, okay, can this bass player do it? We've pretty much been using the same bass player for about a year and a half, Jason. And... Um, We'll find out if he can do it, and then we'll bring in the horns and pedal steel. Okay. So. With the core five, like that's kind of a regular rehearsal. Do you rehearse regularly with this band? Is this a band that's like constantly rehearsing, or is it like shows rehearsals, or is it just kind of jump in and fly and go? Uh, it depends on the gig. Uh, Devin, if you want to talk a little bit about how we got ready for, we did an acoustic thing last night. He can talk about that. Um, yeah, we just, uh, I mean, as far as kind of circling back a little bit, rehearsals, um, you know, we kind of do that almost very unrock and roll in a way. I mean, it's just like an email goes out and um, Tom actually kind of project manages that as if it wasn't a band, which is kind of nice because the language is really terse and short. Um, yeah. And uh, we just kind of confirm. He knows all our work schedule, so he kind of already starts from that. Um, and then it really just depends on the gig. Um, if we're doing like a, um, you know, like a, at a club, you know, like maybe something uh, like a bar type of place, um, you know, we'll go into that a little looser. Um, you know, I mean, we take it seriously, obviously, but, um you know, we can just use body language to play, you know, something a solo longer if that's not, you know, it doesn't have to be that rigid. Um, and then last night we had a little acoustic uh, show where we broke down from nine to three, four ish. <laughs> three and a half. Yeah. And uh, we just, you know, we went to the apartment and just, um, I was going to say stripped down, but that's a little weird. We stripped down. <laughs> well, you could uh, <laughs> do that too, but that's yeah. a different implication. The band after us stripped down. They literally like played in the Yeah. Underwear. Yeah. The band after us uh, played in, in uh, robes. From the hotel that that's we were That's very at. dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just rehearsed, uh, you know, very kind of quietly um, and then just let it fly however it goes if we do an acoustic show with, you know, just a few of us. Yeah. So if you get a big gig, you rent a space then and get everybody yeah. in one room yeah, and do the whole do, exactly. it, up, do it up big. We've been fortunate enough to, to get some really cool gigs. And we're pretty particular about what gigs we'll take at this point just because it is, it's, it's an undertaking to get nine people in a room rehearsed and then onto a stage. Like that's nine people's schedules. That's not right. easy to maintain. Yeah. For one rehearsal and one gig. Yeah. I mean, that's eight, that's uh, two events with essentially 18 people really what yeah. it comes down to. And, uh, you know, and, and Jim, our drummer lives in up in like the Bay area. 
like Walnut Creek. So he flies yeah. down, oh, wow, um, okay. which isn't bad because, I mean, you can fly, you know, Oakland to Burbank pretty easily. So. Yeah, probably about as much time as it takes to drive across Los Angeles. Pretty anyway. much, yeah. yeah. Right. He has it easier for most of us. Yeah, I guess. Somebody <laughs> picks him up at the airport, drive him to the gig and take him back. It's very, very rock star. <laughs> All right, I'm talking to three of the members of the Walcotts. They are more or less a Los Angeles-based band, kind of Little Feet-esque, uh, big band, horns, keys, bass, drums, guitar, background singers. It's a cool thing. You should check these guys out if you get a chance to see them, guys and girls, I should say. I'm very happy to have them here on Independence Day. We're going to play a cut from their, is this the most recent CD that this is on? Yeah, it's a, our dual EP. So okay. we have two EPs, volume Yeah, one, it's kind of a Franken EP, yeah, kind of split yeah. in half, like you a know, double album, but it's not pretentious enough to have them come in one package. You have to have them completely separate, right? Right. Very. Right. You should be a prog rock band next, I think. <laughs> All right, so the Walcotts with the track Should Have Been Me on Independence Day.
And that is The Walcotts. You can check them out at thewalcottsmusic.com. And Walcott is with an A, not an O. For some reason, I got it into my head when I was prepping for this thing that it was an O, like The Walcotts. That seemed more Winnie the Pooh to me somehow. <laughs> so, But it's The Walcotts, and you can learn about them at thewalcottsmusic.com. Also, twitter.com slash walcottsmusic. Facebook.com slash thewalcottsmusic. And, of course, Instagram, which we were discussing the uh, relative benefits and detriments of Instagram, which is instagram.com slash thewalcotts. There are nine members of you, but I've got three of you here in my living room talking. We're going to hear some live music from you guys in just a few minutes. Uh, Let's talk about arranging for an ensemble that size, especially if you're doing this kind of ad hoc as you're adding people in. You know, when you're dealing with something like horns, like when you're dealing with guitar players, like you can bring in a new guitar player and they can look at your hand and go, okay, this is G, C, D, A minor, major two, whatever. But when you're dealing with things like horns, those are parts that are generally more arranged. Like first off, do you arrange you just kind of do the typical rock band thing with the first core members, and then when you add people, do you scoring things? How are you adding these extra people? It depends on um, it depends on the song, really. The first couple EPs, the stuff that we you know you'll hear, you've just heard, and the songs we'll play from, um, we did that differently. So we would have one or two horns in the studio, maybe for one or two songs, and then Devin on violin would kind of work with them, because the way Devin plays isn't like your traditional violinist. Like he, I would say he's more of a horn kind of player, but on a violin. I mean, that is a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so Devin really kind of took the reins with that and, you know, along with Greg and the piano. And we all obviously talk through it when we're in the studio together. Um, and then on the stuff we've been doing recently, uh, which hasn't, you know, we haven't really finished yet, we actually had the horns in at the same time and we went full on horn arrangement. So it wasn't yeah. overdubs. It How was, many pieces of horns? Um, we had two on every track, and then we had a five-piece section on one track. Okay. so it's, it's cool. I mean, that's the thing. When you're arranging for instruments like that, these are people used to having a chart dropped in front of them. And some mm-hmm. people are more able to jump into the ether and just kind of make up a part on the spot. You know, And if they've, they've been a lot of horn players, the good thing about a lot of horn players are they're very accomplished. They've been doing it a long time, exactly. so that they can work together very quickly. They're used to playing jazz. So they're used to jumping in, improvising, making up a part, and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, so Ulf, who plays trombone with us on all the recordings, actually, is the only trombonist we've used. We've used a few different trumpet players. Um, he's fantastic because he can... He's, he's flexible. He'll talk about the line that maybe the guitar or the violin's doing, and we'll like play off of that or double that, do a harmony off of it. And then it wasn't until after we had done stuff with Ulf that we brought in the trumpet, and then he would you know kind of bring ideas to the table. And now we also work with this guy, Dave Richards, and, and then Ulf on trombone. And the two of them are just wizards when it comes to coming up with arrangements on the spot. Because yeah. we'll literally walk into a rehearsal or the studio to learn the song. Nobody knows it. It's, it's a demo that whoever wrote it brought in. And we're all just coming together with it. So, yeah, talk to me how you get from demos to like a finished recording or a finished arrangement. Like, if with the core band, are you then, like, when you come up with a song, are you thinking in the back of your head, whoever comes up with it, are you thinking in the back of your head, okay, like someday this will have horns, but for now it doesn't, and you leave a space for it? You know what I mean? Like, like arrangement wise, are you leaving yeah. a space for it musically in your head? Or is it a situation where it's like you come up with the song, you come up with an arrangement, and then when it's time to record it, then you go, okay, let's add an extra eight bars here so we can do the horn? Or is it built in from the beginning? It's, I wouldn't say it's built in from the beginning. I mean, you guys could 
feel free to chime in here. Uh, I think when we when a song is written, like Devin and I have been writing together for the first time uh, ever, which has been a lot of fun. And it wasn't a matter of let's bring in horns. It was a matter of, well, we know there's going to be all these instruments in there. Here's the basic blueprint of lyrics and melody and rhythm. Uh, let's just build off of that. And so everybody at the same time gets the song. Like we'll make a, a, an acoustic demo at home and email it to everybody. They can kind of digest it. We'll come into you know a pre-production rehearsal, or we'll go straight into the studio, and we'll just have at it. So, and then it's like, oh, well, this does sound good. Let's add an extra four bars here and do this, and let's take away that. So it's it's very diplomatic, I think, in that respect. Yeah. Was this sound, this very kind of layered, arranged, complex sound, was that something that was uh, a goal from the beginning, or did the the music you were writing dictate it? There was really no goal, actually. Uh, as I mentioned, Devin and I have been playing together for seven years, and we had put our old band to bed, you know, in 2011. And this just kind of happened. Like, I had started writing with a few different people, and we decided just to get some studio time because Jim was coming down from, from San Francisco. to We were going to go see a Springsteen concert. So we decided, hey, let's get some studio time. I've been writing with these guys. And I, we just called people we had been talking to and hanging out with, and we just created this... EP and then went from there. You've got a lot of instruments here. The one thing I, I noted was it's, it's kind of somewhat rare to have horns and pedal steel in the same ensemble. Like usually that's kind of where the line is, but maybe it's like Memphis where those two meet. Well, like, don't I want to say like Flying Burrito Brothers have horns and pedal steel? Yeah. yeah they do. Yeah. I mean, if, um, and that's kind of maybe uh, some Graham's solo stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's another band that'll come to me after I leave the interview, but. Um, you know, but we've been kind of bathing our ears in to um, kind of find a sound, kind of distill a sound out of a perhaps an era. Because I think in the past, when you know the record industry existed in another <laughs> time, you know, back you know Sinatra could have a full thirty-piece band. You know that that era's gone now. It's just one person and an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think um, you know, there's a. I think there was a lot of bands in the seventies that have kind of radio is kind of playing the same Fleetwood, three Fleetwood Mac songs over and over again. At least that's my um, kind of impression of it, you know, that there were a lot of bands doing that back in the 70s, I think, um, and maybe even to some some 80s. Yeah. I'd like to give you guys kudos for, for keeping it real, so to speak, because I, mean, I have so many friends who score for commercials, score for movies, score for TV, and we've gotten to the point with technology where you can score with virtual instruments, oh, and yeah. to almost everyone, even trained ears, it sounds like real instruments, like with strings and mm -hmm. horns especially, mm -hmm. even drums. Uh, it's hard to do with guitars, but you know, everyone plays guitar anyway, so that's no big deal. You get your, you know, if you need a guitar <laughs> part when the mailman shows up, you get him in and sit him down and yeah. have him play the part. Throw a rock out the window in LA or Nashville. <laughs> totally, <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, again, kudos for making sure that all these instruments are real. Well, I think one of the things that we can all agree on is everyone's a real musician. Like, Laura is a phenomenal vocalist. Like, she's not just a singer. Like, there are singers out there, but she's like a real vocalist. Like, she can sit here and run a scale. Devin mm -hmm. can really play a violin. Like, I, I like to think that I just surround myself with great musicians. But everybody has real talent, and when they bring it all together, it makes it sound so much better than, you know, everybody kind of being like an okay musician. Yeah. Um, everybody's just very, very accomplished. And I think that does lend itself to not even wanting to mess with those kind of instruments, virtual yeah. instruments. So to yeah, speak. definitely. So. I mean, it doesn't lend itself to the style you're doing either. Um, but that's the thing, you know, I know a guy who did a record 
uh, maybe three years ago. He has a friend who does that kind of scoring stuff, and it sounds dead on. And you know, he wanted a real lush, like Burt Bacharach kind of Beach Boysy symphonic thing going on for a song or two. So he sent it to this friend. You know, gave him a couple hundred bucks, and the guy scored out the whole thing recorded all the virtual instruments and he got it back and it, like I said it's a dead ringer mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know so different styles lend themselves to different things but I mean I like what you guys are doing it's cool Thank let's you. talk more about vocals in just a second but first I want you guys to play a tra- live track for us uh, mm-hmm. what's this first song going to be you got Laura you talk about it uh, Hanging Tree it's one of my favorites I love yeah. it yeah is this, gonna, is this something that's on the record this is on the EPs that are already out yes okay. it was on EP volume 2 All right, so this is the Walcotts with the song Hanging Tree on Independence Day. There she is by the hanging tree Latch couldn't change a thing Broken hearts is the place to be Wish you never spoke to me But alone Why don't mind my feet swinging Seems like I was in the wrong place Hell, just the wrong way Didn't know she could punch my clock No one else seemed to be real shy But Lord, why don't mind My feet swinging Nice friends, my name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. You can learn everything you need to know about Independence Day at indepday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday. I've got three of the members of the Walcotts in here today, Tom, Devin, and Laura. They comprise uh, about a third of this band when it's its full strength. How often, how many shows, what percentage of shows are full strength? Uh, I would say probably 95% of Most shows. Most of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the acoustic things only happen twice now 
Yeah. Well, it presents I me. Mean, that's pretty impressive considering your drummer lives 300 miles away, correct? Yeah. San Francisco area, yep. thereabouts. Uh, we were. Well, I want to touch on vocals here just a little bit. I know that the two of the singers, Tom, Laura, you guys are here today. Are there other people who sing background vocals as well? Uh, Greg has talked about doing it. We just haven't. There's so many inputs on stage already because right. there's nine of us. Uh, we've put a mic up there, and I know he's had a harmony or two, but we haven't really like made a point of it. Okay. So, so the primary, the vocals are you two that are in front of me here yeah, today, live exactly. And then, so let me. This is kind of a second part to a question I asked before. When you're writing these songs, you know, having a full time singer, uh, Laura, in the band, you don't play an instrument, so your instrument is your voice. Um, when you know who, so who, let me backtrack just a little bit. Who's writing here? Uh, Devin and I have done a, a lot of writing on the new stuff that we've not played today. Okay. That'll be coming out hopefully in the near future. Um, and then I, it, it's really everybody writes together. Um, we have I have a few writing partners outside of the band. Okay. Um, so it just depends. Okay. So the reason I that's I kind of step back for a second is that when you write, are you thinking in terms of a band that has two singers? Because it seems like Laura, your role in this band is it's more than just a background harmony singer. Um, are you taking leads on some songs? Uh, not right now, but I'm totally down. But you're willing, <laughs> you're you're willing to lead on learn. too little, too yeah, late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got, I got myself a bridge. Well, and, it, you know, Laura has come on more recently. There are a few songs that are pretty duet, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty much duets, mm-hmm. um, but they are slower. So we don't usually do the ballads live yeah. just because it can really lull a room, if, you know, especially yeah. if you're a 45-minute set mm-hmm. kind of thing, trying yeah. to keep it upbeat. Yeah. So there are the parts. We just don't do those songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because that's, that's what I guess what I'm getting at is that, I mean, you're, a, uh, you're not just a backup singer in the tradition of, you know, I mean, you are and you're not. Like, there's the thing. Have you seen uh, 20 Feet from Stardom? Uh, you know, I haven't. But you one of to. my fellow backup singers who I work with a lot, her mom is in it, Akasha yeah, oh, wow. Mabry. Her mom is in it. Yeah. yeah. And Akasha sang on some of the new yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's on the right. record. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so when, it, when I think about the Walcott's music and I listen to what your role is in this, it's kind of like you're a background singer uh, plus like another 75%. Yeah. Because you're singing harmonies along with what Tom's doing, his parts, you know, providing a traditional harmony part where it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're also... You know, you're doing like the back and forth. You're yeah. doing the call and response. You're doing, you know, the traditional like Memphis style or like kind of Southern style singing where it's not just harmonies. Totally. You know, it's like integrated into it. And I guess that's my actual, the heart of this question is, Tom, when you're writing these, are you writing those for that role? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, other than, sometimes. Other than just like saying, like writing your song, yeah. you're like, well, that line needs harmony, that line needs harmony, that line needs Some, harmony, and then putting a singer on it. Are you creating it from the ground up to have that element of a duet? You know, once you kind of get in the, the groove of writing something, you know, before it's done, you kind of get that idea if it's going to be a duet or if it's going to be a single voice with harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, totally. I, I might just be kind of half into a song. I might be 10%, or I might have a song idea, or someone brings in a song idea that sounds like, oh, that's a duet. Like, totally, let's make that a duet. Mm-hmm. Let's make this a straight harmony throughout where it's like both leads, but there is that harmony, which is like hanging tree mm-hmm. or staring back, um, which it lends itself to more like Graham Parsons, Emily Harris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there is a rich tradition of that, like in the kind of, like Graham kind of wrote the book in terms of that, at least yeah. as far as the West Coast is concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, Nashville is a little more delineated. You've got your male singers, your female singers, and then your duets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. funny, I love Steve Earle. And Steve Earle has a duet on every... It's, it's, I think it's because he's got those Nashville roots, even though he's from Texas. Every single Steve Earle album has, has a duet on it. 
sometimes it's Emmy Lou. Sometimes it's, uh, I don't know if it was Nancy Griffith, but there was one with his sister one time and then his wife now, of course. Uh, that's the person who he's duetting with the most. But that's a thing. Like, it's a thing for them. Like, Don Henley records all had reggae songs. Mm-hmm. One <laughs> reggae song, a white guy reggae song. Mm-hmm. But all Steve Rowe records have that duet. So there's a, there's a tradition of it. Um, how about another tune? What's next? Uh, Devin, why don't you introduce this one? Uh, by the morning. And uh, it's not the morning now, but we're going to do it. Tell me just a little bit about this song. Who wrote it? What's it about? Uh, I wrote this one. Um, I actually, I think a while back, Devin and I were just playing around acoustic, and I kind of came up with this swampy rhythm. It's like it's really just the song is two or three chords, um, so it's pretty basic. And it was more just the feel. It kind of had like this credence vibe to it. And then it was like, well, let's make it kind of swing that way. And then lyrically, it just kind of became about some bitterness and, and that sort of yeah. thing. This is a total side thing, but when you said Credence, uh, my friends and I have got this opinion that Credence Clearwater Revival is the greatest American band. They are true Americans because you would you would argue the fact that the band could be the greatest American band, but mm-hmm. four of those guys are from Canada. Yeah, oh. but they're the greatest American band. Like, give me, you know, what else you got? True rock and roll band. Well, That's what I mean. I don't know. You got to get legit. like the Beach Boys. It's tough. You I can't. I could never. I could never because the reason why we say this because like CCR they're like quintessential American band for sure yeah. you know rock and roll little swampy sometimes loud little feedback you know sim- like not giant because the Beach Boys are great but it's like a, it's like a train wreck there's a thousand of them and they've got <laughs> all kinds of different things with the there's the the uh, pet sounds kind of thing but like Freedance just did what they did boom rock and roll band like you could you could picture them in any garage. <laughs> nationwide but you can go era. I'm going to keep arguing the Beach Boys point because if you go <laughs> earlier than like Pet Sounds era and you go because I was raised on the Beach Boys my dad's a huge Brian oh. Wilson a Beach Boys fan and if you go back to that early stuff those are just Chuck Berry songs with harmonies you know and that's rock and roll totally. too so yeah. I don't know I mean I love both of them so I can yeah, yeah well as do I like as do I but it's like you know kid. yeah what else you got what, I mean, what else are, what other comers are even are there like Aerosmith I don't think so no, I wouldn't say Aerosmith. Because like so many, that's fun. The reason I love the, Aerosmith. the reason we say this is that so many bands that we know and love are not American. They're British. Like every all the, mm-hmm. most of the great bands, you know, Beatles, Stones, Who, Zeppelin, Floyd, yeah, all British. What about One Direction? I'm, I'm kidding. Boo! I wish I had a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> Out in a buzzer. How about let's let's take this opportunity to play the tune, The Walcotts and Independence Day. Without you 
without you, without you. Well, you left blue swell, and I wish you well, but you'll be burning by the morning. Well, ain't no place for your jagged face, so I'll be leaving by the morning. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true I've been traveling Making my own affair I've been leaving Home everywhere You might see me Running from the truth Once again, The Walcotts and Independence Day, drop by their website, thewalcottsmusic.com. Find them on Instagram, instagram.com slash thewalcotts. Go on the internet. They're pretty easy to find. W-A-L-C-O-T-T-S. This is like the most lowbrow question in the world, but what is the origin of the name? Is, someone, is there someone oh, named Walcott? Yeah. Uh, well, we were just discussing the band, the band, and they have a song called W.S. Walcott Medicine Show. And there's a line in there, it's saints and sinners, all kinds of people you might want to know. And when we were basically naming the band, we were just throwing around ideas and uh, we were pulling from other songs that we liked and artists that we liked. And we threw out the Walcotts and we're like, oh yeah, we all love the band. That makes sense because there's so many musicians on the record. It just kind of worked. Yeah, stylistically they loom large over what you're doing, it seems like. The band, Graham, Little Feet, that kind of thing. Um, The other funny thing, like every band now, it seems like when they name their band, like the first thing you have to do is to see if... Walcott's is available yeah. like as a URL. You go on the internet right away. Yeah. Um, you know, so was that an issue with the Walcott's? Was there like a punk band in Cleveland? Oh, there was no <laughs> band. I, there was no like I searched the Walcott's like for days and could not find anything aside from the band's song about the Walcott's. And you know, obviously, I got more history on the uh, the the True Medicine show. Um, but yeah, no band out there. But there is a thewalcott's.com, which I don't know. It's like a I think it's a doctor. Or a yeah, lawyer I looked it up and it has nothing to do nothing with music. to do with this. So at least yeah. you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, people aren't gonna like go there and like go to the wrong show because it's like a 
exactly pharmaceutical and you can go on to like the library of congress and you can look up what's been kind of used yeah that's what i used to have to do this this came up just a couple weeks ago on the show i think i used to have to go to the george washington library in chicago because i didn't have the internet smartphones didn't exist so to use the internet i had to go to the library and i remember looking up and trying to print out stuff to figure out we had like a list of band names that's the hardest thing (laughs) to get every like how many people did you have to get to agree on the band was it just the core five of you yeah early on it was just like the five or four or five of us i think Okay. So tell me this. There are so many bands, like Roots thing, you know, Roots music is kind of making a small resurgence these days, especially in LA. Um, why, why should people listen to your band? What's different about your band? What, you know, what's almost like, a, almost like an elevator pitch? Um, I think the instrumentation makes us very unique and the fact that we don't, and, and nothing against songs like this we were a little more heady than a three or four song alt country or americana band you know i, I think that kind of makes us stand out a little bit more yeah do you would you say you fall loosely into the americana thing i mean i'm not trying to put you in a box but like there's genres are a very very funny thing you know like if you're in the, you're in an elevator literally and someone's like oh i love music i have a record label i'd like to put out a record what do you sound like what do you say yeah, uh, I just say Americana, but just because it's as a default, it's easy, and I don't even know what that's such a yeah that term doesn't. I mean, who even knows what that means? But it, it's rocking. You know what? What really says that you know we don't have we're not wearing like Tom and I aren't wearing women's makeup and right. tightly. You know, it, it, it almost says what you aren't more than yeah. It's an aesthetic yeah. almost yeah. as much as it is a style music style. Like nobody so. has a triangle hanging from the neck of their the headstock of their bass during the show. Mm-hmm. That was like some right. indie band I saw recently. Like with, uh. on top of the white belts and the makeup right. and the thing, they had a triangle hanging from the headstock of the bass. And I was like, okay, I guess maybe that's where the line is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for us to say that we're Americana is an easy thing to say because I think it's very true. You know, as as the genre was created by the band and Little Feet, and those are the comparisons we always get. So when somebody asks me what we sound like, I say we're an American. I say we're a nine-piece Americana well, rock band. You know, and I just have one thing to speak to that because back dating back before the Wildcats, our previous band, the Riders, was kind of like our version of uh, just a straight rock and roll band. Um, and then when we went to a folk conference, I think it's Folk Alliance several years oh, ago. Yeah, okay. We did a stripped-down version of our band. So we were just trying to find opportunity. So we went to this conference hoping to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe leave an impact, broaden our fan base, or find touring opportunities. So we kind of Americana, Americanaized, if that's a word, our rock project. And uh, by doing that, we got looser, and I even sang backup vocals, and we kind of kind of took it less seriously. Like, we're going to do the bridge here and the solo here, and we just kind of did a looser version of it. And by loosening it up, this is my impression of how we, we kind of came more of a Americana yeah. sound. We almost inadvertently had a, a kind of a bandish or a little feetish sound. Not to not that we're on their uh, level, but uh, right. people were making those. And then we started thinking, well, gosh, let's let's see where this takes us. So was that moment then the catalyst for ending the old band, or was there something else? Uh, no, we ended the old band. We had the old band for technically about nine years uh, from inception. Jim and I started playing together. But it, it really was, Devin and I were in San Diego. Jim was in San Francisco. And then I got an offer to, for a gig up in L.A. And so I decided I was going to move back to L.A. And Devin moved to L.A. not too long afterwards. But we realized that we had kind of taken that band as far and as fast as we could. And, you know, let's let's just 
put it to bed and if we can you know we're obviously all going to still write and play together but let's just find a new moniker or whatever let's just put it to bed yeah all bands have kind of a life cycle i found this with men unless they get unless they get a lot of success like a band has kind of like a five to nine year life cycle where it's like you start playing you start getting some gigs get some solid meds if i feel like it takes a couple years to get solid members yeah. Like for a core member of a band, because you've got to figure out who's a jerk <laughs> or who's not a jerk is the more important question, I guess. And then once you find that core group, then you start, you know, maybe you've played some shows along, but then it's like, okay, now there's a push. We're going to make a record. We're going to play some shows. Then you start getting shows and you kind of build your following such as it is. And then you start to get bigger and better shows. And then you kind of reach this plateau where you're playing decent shows around town. And then the big change, the big question is, are you going to tour? You know, which is, I guess, a question I will pose to you guys is how far afield have you gotten out among the people to play shows? I mean, you're playing in L.A., your drummer's based in, in San Francisco, but are you playing Phoenix? Are you playing Chicago? Are you playing New York? Well, like we mentioned earlier, we haven't really pushed that hard yet. Um, we've played in San Diego and in and around L.A., and then I think... With what we're working on now, the new recordings, we're hopefully going to start doing a little more regional stuff and start okay. getting out. out yeah, so about. you guys are still kind of growth phase, which I guess that's the thing that's confounding yeah. me is that since there are nine of you, you usually by the time bands get to be nine people, they're out of the growth phase. You know, because it's like if you're in the growth phase, are you going to wind up being like 50 people at some point? <laughs> well, we got very lucky right off the bat because we did that first EP and. We gave it to a couple of friends that happened to be like music supervisors, and all of a sudden, it like was in TV shows, and then we got one in a movie, and it was like, oh, okay, this, this is working. So we decided to do more songs, and so it was a bit of playing catch up. And then we didn't kind of know our, like we were still moving who was standing where on stage and that kind of thing. So we last year was a big learning process for us because we're still a very young band. I mean, like maybe a year and a half old. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's the cool thing. I mean, you've gotten such a diverse sound already you know you've got like now you can build on that like you know now you can build the following and now you can make the record because that's the thing you've got a couple records available uh they are called volume one and volume two which is very Wilburys of you <laughs> to have the one although they think they skipped two didn't they go, didn't they they go went one, one to three, three yeah mm-hmm. uh but they, they're the Wilburys. they can do whatever they want if Roy Orbison's in your band no rules apply to <laughs> you yeah or Beatles for that matter um, but you've, you, people can buy these your records at the website, yeah. And they're kind of like that's. Let's talk just a little bit about this this Frankenstein EP kind of thing because sure. you've got some new songs that you're work, you've got recorded already. Yeah, they're right? recorded. So, but you're what you're going to do is like so you haven't had a proper full length debut as of yet. Nope. But there's music available. People should buy it. I should. I always encourage people buy buy music. People, buy musicians music. need to yeah. eat. Yeah. Stream it, share it. However, but yeah. buy it is cool. Yeah, are you so? Are, do you give music away on your website? Uh, it's on SoundCloud on our website, so you can stream it if you want. Um, you can't download it for free. Okay, I think there might be one song downloadable on the SoundCloud. Yeah, don't quote me on that. There's two ways to approach that. Some people say give it away because the more people hear it, mm. you know, that's a it's just a bigger thing. Well, and that's kind of what happened with this. Like, I feel like with you know, Devin was talking about the riders. That we had such a plan of what our attack was going to be, and we weren't giving away stuff. And, and then when the Walcott started, and it just kind of like we gave a few things away, and it worked out. It's like, well, maybe we should change our approach to this and be a little more user friendly, and you know, not really get get annoyed if people are going to give it away or share it. Yeah, maybe encourage it because when all said and done, 
you know, we just want people to listen and enjoy it. Yeah. So who's doing like who's doing the house cleaning? We talked about you, Tom, doing um, like the booking of shows. Um, are you like the de facto project manager for other aspects of this as well? I mean, either one kind of corralling everything because a band is like a it's like a cottage industry. It's about, you know with, whether there's two people or ten people. You know, you've got shows to book, you've got promotion to do, you've got songs to write, you've got record time to get recording time to schedule. Are you, you the guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a question for you two, Devin and Laura. Is he a benevolent dictator, or is he kind of just the guy kind of steering it in the right direction, or is he like an iron fisted, like, you know, mind me woman kind of thing? <laughs> you know, he's just uh, like really just straight ahead, um, just straight business. You know, um, there's no really emotion to it at all. It's like, do you, are, are, you know, when I get. He's a really effective communicator. Um, so when he when I get emails from or the band does, it's just can you be are you available here? Um, and then um, yeah, I mean he's on top of it. So and he's good with the email and you know there's a protocol that <laughs> yeah you know I mean people read books on the on the he could probably write one you know for who to CC and how and when and like the, the protocols of email. I mean there's like a little bit of a yeah science to it, but. Um, yeah, and I'm always, when I respond, I don't know if other people do this. It'd be interesting to find out. But because I know he's got eight other people responding, I'll just write like yes or no, <laughs> or, or uh, yeah. generally when I when it's something that's needed. Um, do you appreciate that? I do, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the long-winded emails that I get back that can be a little like, oh, I don't need to know what else is going on <laughs> yeah. in your week. I just need to know about that one. Yeah. Are there any black hours? sheep in the band? I had a band at one point where he would only answer by text. So like everyone else in the band was email. So I could send one email, carbon copy everybody on it, except for this other guy. Oh, that's so funny. And that was totally frustrating because then it's like now you've got two mediums, this technology thing. It's you know, it causes as many problems as it solves, I think. <laughs> now everybody's really good. We we had, you know, there were there was somebody there for a little while that wasn't a very good communicator, but now everybody's pretty on top of it. They know if I reach out, you know, I'm not just screwing around. Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of funny because I I just I don't know if I've, we've ever talked about it, but if I don't respond, then I, then the assumption is I'm available. Like yeah, yeah. But that that's like an unspoken agreement that yeah. we've had for like for t- seven years. At yeah. This well, point. I don't. I'm just kind of emailed and Facebooked out, and I'm just have so many things buzzing in my pocket and all the time, and and I just for him, I'm just like I'm general. He knows I'm available for yeah. you know, and I'll tell him. That and I'm if not. you're going out of town, like that's the thing. If somebody's going out of town, or if there's a big chunk of time where they're not available, they let me know in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. So. All right. Yeah. Better living through technology. Yeah, it's a, you know it's it can be a pain, but it's a lot easier because of the tools that are available with email and texting, um, and group yeah. texting is is handy for last minute stuff. People who aren't in bands don't ever think about this kind of stuff. Like they mm-hmm. see you at the show, you know, with your silver jumpsuit, you know, up there rocking out, <laughs> yeah. and they don't they don't think about all the BS like behind the scenes and like the. You know, they love the VH1 intrapersonal battles type stuff, the Ray and Dave Davies fist fights. But, I mean, a lot of being in a band is boring, you know? Yeah. But we love it. Not for me. It's good boring. I mean, I love it. I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it sucks or anything. But, you know, it's, it's not all, you know, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is it's not all limos. Yeah. You know, yeah. people think and they, they see on TV what it looks like on American Idol or whatever those shows are where Harry Connick is telling you how to sing your part, right? 
like that's that's not really how it goes. No. You know, not. I encourage everyone to read. Uh, you have, have you guys read uh, "So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star" by Jake Slichter? Yeah, I read that years ago. Drummer from Semisonic, uh. like he's one of those like horror story tales. He had a great ride and in the business, but it's that's a good read. People should check it out. So that's the other thing I'm going to recommend, other than checking out the Walcotts. So how about a little bit more music? <laughs> what have you got next for us here? Yeah, yeah we're going to get into uh, some Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage is also yeah. on the uh, also on the EPs. Yeah, this the EPs. Is volume two. This one's a true story. Uh, Jameson, who's one of my songwriting partners, and I wrote about this. Um, it's, it, I mean, it literally happened to a guy in the 1800s. He had a he worked on a railroad and got a steel rod shot through his head, and he lived for like another 10 years. It's a medical marvel, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So we just had a good time writing about the true history of that. Sounds very songwriting. Yeah, definitely do a Google image search for him. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Really There's pictures of his skull. Like it's in a museum. Right? Intense. And now we're about to play a song about it. All right, <laughs> let's hear it. The Walcotts and Independence Day. Phineas Gage is my name. Forming on the cabinet game. Blasting rocks and making plain. Mile and mile again, again. Again, again. Ain't no railroad gonna kill me today Wednesday, half past four Thirteen years before the war Another day on the Rutland line Blasting rocks with my tampon eye With my tampon eye Ain't no railroad gonna kill me today Blasting powder, fused no sand Killed many railroad men Shot that iron straight through my head Thirteen quarter pound nearly dead Nearly dead Ain't no railroad gonna kill me dead I go, caring for the horses and driving a coach. Made my way to the Frisco Bay. Gonna die my own way, my own way. Ain't no railroad gonna kill me dead. that we have a song on the show about a guy who got a metal rod through his head but the mm-hmm. Walcotts have managed to pull it off uh, that's the track Phineas Gage about a real guy mm-hmm. real guy with a metal <laughs> rod stuck through his head I'm going to just dwell on that for just a second I'm glad I had a nail shot into my hand one time from oh, a nail gun God. I actually saved it that was the craziest thing man I was working uh, some construction type work 
and I was up on this big ladder, and I had this big nail guns are heavy, you know, it's yeah. a pneumatic right. uh, compressed air thing, and trying to get this two by four thing, and boom, and it double tapped. It went boop boop, shot two. <gasps> it nails. went through your hand, oh, no. and it went into my left hand. Oh no, you know, and then you know, right away, I'm looking at it, and they always say. That when you're impaled on something, regardless of what it is, you should never pull it out. <laughs> when you're impaled. <laughs> because you can do more damage yeah. pulling it out. You're supposed to take it to the doctor and let them uh, like, but, be uh, attached. Yeah. But yeah. I guarantee you, when there is something sticking out of your hand, like an inch that's like three and a half inches long, it is damn near impossible to not oh pull it out. And I made, I made an almost instantaneous decision. Like, you know, the million things are going through my now, brain. Aren't you glad you kind of know how that feels? Because I think everybody deep down the side kind of wants to know what it's like maybe to be shot or something like that. I, nope. I know that sounds crazy, but if, yeah. nope, if you're nope. listening at home and you, and you think about it, I, I don't mean, want to be nope. shot. I, 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 no, definitely not. <laughs> not at all. But I'm kind of curious to know what that would feel like. I, I mean, Absolutely obviously I wouldn't not. try it, but I yeah. mean, it's like, well, I what can does tell that you, feel like? Well, let me tell you what it feels like. <laughs> it actually, you know, the way this one, I was very, very fortunate. Like I was, I was mortified. I was terrified because I'm, I'm a guitar player. I mean, aside from anything else that you do with your left hand, jokes aside, ah. like, right holding anything to hands, playing guitar, playing piano, playing mandolin, uh, everything that I do in my world, making food, <laughs> you know, typing, like, oh my God, am I, am I ruined for the rest of my life with this? Yeah. So this thing's sticking out of my hand, I'm looking at it, and I made the decision like right away. Like it, it, it was like a million com- computations in like a nanosecond. So I was like, okay, it was a nail. It's, it's a smooth <laughs> metal shaft. If I pull it out, it's not gonna do anything. Right, so I'm, but I'm worried. Like, am I? Did I? Did I cut a break a bone? Did I do whatever? So, yeah. It's like, all right, screw it, Boop. and I pull it out right away. Oh my God. So now I'm standing there on the <laughs> scaffolding, holding this nail, and the guy I work with, this toddler, comes up and he's like, "Hey, Joe, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Get out of here, <laughs> get out of here, kid." Now's not the time. So I went. And I grabbed my buddy and went and had they X-rayed it and everything, and it didn't actually even hurt that much. Like it was the shock of seeing it. Yeah. I think was right. the and then the worry. You know, the the moment of truth for me was I'm sitting there. And I, I pulled it out, so I'm holding the nail, and it's like I move one finger. Oh. See if it moves, and I move the other finger, and I check them all. Okay, cool, they all move, and it hurts a little bit. But like, okay, well, that's a good sign. You know, it's still, still a functioning appendage, so mm-hmm. we'll go from here. So I went, had it x-rayed. You know, it was a tiny little hole. It was like, you know, like a framing nail, so it was a big nail, but it left a little hole. And then they were like, they put Neosporin and a Band-Aid on it, and I went back ah. to work. Mm. <laughs> Did you put it in a little vial and wear it as a necklace? Suck it I, I have like the nail. I can show you the nail if you'd like to see I'd the nail. I'd love to see that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not gory or anything. It just looks like a nail. But like for yeah. me, then that became the moment. It's like, you know, okay, this is, yeah. this is not the line of work for me. I've had it with this, so that kind of and you could wear you could use wear as a reminder if you know in a bad breakup situation you could look at it and remind yourself of the pain you've pre- previously made it through. Totally, the resilience. Totally. Yeah, exactly. it's like a symbol of your your toughness. It is. <laughs> I sliced open my I, my thumb years ago. Remember, and I had to wear that bandage around my thumb on my left hand. Oh yeah, it was like five years ago. That sucked. And the most painful part of it was actually my father-in-law, who is a surgeon, uh, took me into the emergency room and was like cleaning it with like this two-inch long needle. And he's like literally touching the bone and the nerves. That was the most painful part. The cut itself never hurt. Yeah. But Laura, any any hand damage? Um, not really. I just generally hurt myself by walking. Sure. Dancing. Engaging in any... In environment in any, I, I'll fall down, you know. Right. But, a lot of things clinking know. around on the ground in your, if you're in your vicinity, I've noticed. A lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things falling. What are you saying? I'm saying uh, things just fall out of your hands from time to time. 
I refuse to use my hands. Didn't you lose a jacket? <laughs> I'm a lady. It's a good thing you don't play an instrument. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if you played an instrument. I mean, yeah. I do, but not in a band for that yeah. very reason. Yeah. Yeah. I play many instruments, but pick, not professionally. Yeah. That would be battles, ridiculous. <laughs> last last story about medical stuff. I was playing. Uh, you ever played on a, a flatbed trailer <laughs> as a stage? Oh, yeah. I wish. I come from a part of country where that's not uncommon. With so like that cut was off jeans and a tank top. I wasn't wearing those, but uh, me is with trio <laughs> standing there. And we count off the first song. We're one, two. I drop my pick. I'm a guitar player. So I reach down with my left hand to pick it up. And if you know anything about the wood that they put on a tractor trailer bed, you can imagine it's not the highest quality oak polished to a high sheen. It's kind of grungy wood. I picked up my pick, and a piece of wood went under my finger. Oh. Right as I pick up the pick, and I'm like, said some colorful words. (laughs) And I, but, you know, the count off of the song had already started. This all took place in four counts. One, two, ah, downbeat of the song. Boom. So now I've got this thing in my finger, and I'm bleeding all over the guitar and all over the stage. And I just, what are you going to do? We're rock and rollers. We play the song. We play the thing. Yeah. Well, you it. look at your necklace. Get this here to the gig. <laughs> yeah. Someday yeah. I would never. I would have a nail stuck in my. Yeah. Head. Anyway, I digress. I, and I love stories like that. It's yeah. fun stuff. You know, yeah. musicians are people too. Well, now it's. A, I think we've got a, a vision for our next gig, which is the truck. I mean, you really planted like a, 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 a something to think about and really yeah. plan for yeah. a truck bed. If anybody out there is listening that has a truck bed. It'd be a tour. That we could play on. Yeah, a tour fit on a nine truck, people yeah. on. Yeah. Let's talk just a little bit about actual music stuff for a minute before we get to the last tune uh-huh. here. When it comes to producing your music, we talked about arranging it, but who, do you hire someone to produce the music? Do you just kind of do it yourselves? Do you, is, do you have any outside person who comes in to kind of shepherd the process through? Uh, we just like, we get like a water bottle with uh, emergency and like some uh, weed germ, shake it up. Lock Tom in a room with some <laughs> headphones. Um, uh, you know he's not allowed to have his phone on him, but we we uh, we get texts from his wife, and then uh, you know we send somebody in like every six hours and just to let her let him know what she's you know what's for dinner or whatever. But um, he just sits there. You know, really, it's kidding aside. He does. <laughs> I got silly there for a second, but Tom does a lot of that stuff, and then he he has. Uh, um, you know, people we've been working with that do the mixing and mastering. Maybe you yeah, Dan, Dan. Piscina yeah. is amazing. Anybody out there listening needs an excellent mixer. He's LA based and can do things remotely. Dan Piscina, hit us up at thewalcottsmusic.com and I'll connect you. He's amazing, and he's a, he is the unspoken like secret weapon. The George Martin of the Walcotts. He's yes, amazing. Definitely. Yeah, he mixes all of our stuff, and he's great. I'll send. You know, we'll go back and forth via email. He'll send me roughs and. I'll yeah. say, hey, can you tweak this and make this, you know, DB louder or softer? And you know, okay. this is supposed to be here or there. Um, he's phenomenal. But working with an actual producer in the in the true sense of the word, where somebody's going to sit down with the basic song and help you arrange it, no, we don't do that. Okay. Uh, now, when you're recording again, are you, are you thinking about all these different parts? Like, are you recording? Do you? How many of the band members are there when you do the initial basic tracks? Do you just take the core five. Do you just do some guitars and drums and then overdub on that? Or do you try to get everybody in? Try and get everybody, everybody in. in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, makes it more organic. Yeah, gives you a real live feel. Yeah, you know, in a good way, not in that like this shouldn't be on the radio way. Like, yeah, there's a phrase that comes up a lot. It's called loose but tight. Mm. You know, it needs to be. It needs to hang together, right? The song needs to function or needs to be a groove one way or another that everybody's on the same page. But you want it to be loose enough so that it sounds live and real. Um, there's a lot of people advocate for going in, teaching the bands the songs on the spot, and then doing them. You know, it's like the Tom Petty, John Mellencamp way. Boom, go do it. 
you know, as opposed to the Steely Dan way, which is I'm glad the, that's a thing because we just do that because it's more it's more economical <laughs> and time, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, it depends though. The economical can work the other way. Like studio time can be very expensive. Like working out those parts in the studio is a luxury for a lot of people. Right. You know, we've been very fortunate uh, with our relationship with Rami Jaffe, who owns Phonogenic, and he Wallflowers, the Wallflowers. Now, no, he's not with the Wallflowers anymore, but now he's with the Foo Fighters. His claim to fame, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's been with the Foo's for a long time, and he played on the very first Riders record. We've known him for a long time. He's a great guy and uh, has a really great studio that we've been using for all the Walcott stuff. All right, guys, that sounds like a really, really wonderful way to go about doing what you're doing. And it suits the music very, very well, going about in an organic fashion, getting everyone together. Because that's the human element, man. That's the one thing. Technology has allowed us to do amazing things with music. We were talking about USB microphones when we were setting it up. You know, To say that to you know, uh, an engineer from the 60s, what's USB? You can plug a microphone into a computer. Well, what's a computer? You use computers to record? You know, Where's my desk? Where's my console? Things have changed, man. But uh, it's a way to keep it real and keep it live is to keep the human element as much as possible and you guys you guys do that it's cool uh speaking of that human element let's hear some of it you got about time for one more song what's this going to be uh we're going to do staring back this is from the first ep all right once again the walcott so happy to bring you these guys and girl on independence day What is this reflection We're staring back from the floor It's got eyes like beams Pulling me to explode What is this obsession Like a fire on its own Relentless of fate and of anger It was born And I don't need to bother anymore And I don't need to worry anymore Don't need to wonder anymore, anymore What of these transgressions like a page from a book Nothing fault, nothing saved Nothing ventured, nothing gained from a loop And I don't need to bother anymore And I don't need to worry anymore Don't need to wonder Nothing's gonna bend me, nothing's gonna break my stride No, I'm not gonna fall to, no one's gonna take my line And I don't need to worry 
anymore Don't need to wonder anymore Anymore Once again, the Walcotts, you can learn about them at thewalcottsmusic.com Also twitter.com slash walcottsmusic And they're all over the Facebook and Instagrams You can find them on the internet if you look up the Walcotts They have the benefit of not having other bands there's always those, those weird times when people name a band and they find out there's some other band in Grand Island, Nebraska, you know, <laughs> with the same name, and then you got to fight it out. That's why uh, there's so many weird indie bands yeah. names now. Yeah, it's names. Yeah, well, we're you know we're standing on the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders of giants. We've been at this music thing, popular music thing, rock and roll for a long time. So mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the ideas have been used up. So you can look forward, you can look back, and you just do what you do. So I think it's a good way to go about it. Now, are you booking yourselves? Just to get one last question in Under the Wire, do you have someone who handles that for you? Uh, right now, we're booking ourselves. Okay. So you're independent, man, in the true sense of the word. Every aspect. All right. Well, yeah, way guys, to tie that in. <laughs> sorry, what's that? I guess we're in the right place. Way to tie that into the show. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Well, that's, that's the whole point. I mean, that's the thing about this show. I mean, yeah. every, everyone is independent to a certain extent nowadays. I mean, unless I guess you're Madonna, you know, where you've got a staff of people who are doing wardrobe for you. And making your clothes and things like that. Like, yeah, the, the things have things have changed. I mean, artists, you know, Freddie Johnston, who I had on the show not too terribly long ago, who I love. You know, he did a record with Butch Vig, and he's on his own. You know, he's his own thing now, which is f- freeing in a lot of ways because he's not beholden to anyone. You know, in terms of recoupable money for making an album, he doesn't have to worry about fifty grand's worth of catering budget for his album. He can make his album on his own terms. But it it just it's empowering at the same time that it's like a, it's a little scary, you know. So anyway, well, best of luck to you guys, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, Thanks thank for having us. Yeah, it's I've been a lot of fun. I've loved chatting with you, mm-hmm. and I uh, hope to see you guys play out live sometime soon. Appreciate it. So thanks to the Walcotts, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The amiable Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. And for Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do one thing, please be good to one another.